Welcome everyone to Casinos USA, where every day is Saturday. Thank you to my digital audience. I appreciate it. Okay, so let's get started. Hey, I'm Coach Fab, author of Craps Across America, and in this podcast, I'll be checking out casino cultures throughout the United States with special focus on Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, Iowa, Florida, South Dakota, and Las Vegas. Hey, that's also where I have some family. It is quite possible to drive across the United States and stay in a casino hotel resort every night. In fact, I've done it several times. If you check out my book online, it got great reviews, and it was doing very well. But it went from $8.95 to several hundred dollars. And let me quickly tell you why. I got a job with a nonprofit employer, and they did not want me to be known as a recreational gambler. I was an educational leader and also a fundraiser. And so they asked me to take the book down. And my publisher agreed to suspend it. So I took it down. I still get emails about that book, <laughs> and the price continues to climb. And someone's making a ton of money. When I had it for sale, was I was earning $1.19 per copy. Ouch! Now that I am retired, I'm back at it. My second book is in the works. But I want to ask you about whether you ever thought about driving on a vacation from one casino to another, or just staying at a casino resort while you're on some sort of an extended road trip. Why would a family, a couple, or even a single driver want to stay in a casino hotel on a trip across the country? I won't keep you in suspense. One basic but very important reason is for security. Note that casinos have armed guards. Generally, most casino hotels check ID before a person is permitted to use the hotel elevators during evening hours. Compare this with uh, outside motel corridor or courtyard where strangers are coming and going at all hours and all you have between you and who knows what is a thin budget hotel door. In a casino hotel, just call the front desk and security will be there shortly. Now you're covered and you feel much safer and particularly if you're traveling with your family and with children. Because casino resorts want you to stay there to gamble, of course, the cost of a hotel room is very competitive with the major hotel motel chains. And as a recreational gambler, sometimes you have the good fortune to stay in a casino resort that uses your player points that you earn somewhere else. And so you might get a great discount or even a free room. It's, it's happened to me on several occasions. Driving across the interstates in the United States after 8 p.m., other than a truck stop, where are you going to stop for a late dinner and a few drinks? A casino has restaurants and bars open 24-7. You'll not be walking into some strange restaurant or pub where you are a total stranger coming off an interstate exit. Rather, you'll be in a well-lit and safe casino. Personally, I've never had bad food in a casino restaurant. Generally, portions are bigger than normal and the service is friendly. Hey, the place never closes. They'll be serving dozens and dozens of customers into the wee hours of the morning. And just as the major hotel chains, casino resorts have indoor swimming pools open to midnight, and that's another way to relax. And if you want the gaming action, hey, it's right there. But you do not have to gamble. Many times I've just walked around a casino for 40 minutes or so just to get a little exercise without gaming at all. You know, driving for seven or eight hours a day is not so healthy. And hotels and casino hotels also have exercise rooms if you want to get even more into exercise on your road trip. Traveling across the country and staying at casino resorts every night 
was the premise of my book, Craps Across America. And I did play craps every night, but we'll talk about that later. In this portion of my first podcast, I want to talk about scared money versus smart money. So I have to ask you a question. Do you go to a casino for a recreation? Is that your chief motivation? It is mine. If it is, then never play with what I call scared money. Scared money is money you just cannot afford to lose. And if you try to bet or play slot machines with scared money, your anxiety level skyrockets. What joy is that? When you lose scared money, you are disgusted with yourself. There's also a motivation maybe to replace scared money with a cash advance on your credit card, which is only going to add to frustration with recreational gaming when the bill arrives. And even a second unplanned visit to an ATM may in the end lead to self-loathing. Smart money is money you're willing to risk. You'll not be pleased if you lose it, but losing is part of what happens many times at a casino. And if you play, there will be times that you will lose. Playing with smart money is also knowing when to surrender, give up, meaning leave the table and cash out. Walk away from that slot machine. This is a big, big issue for the recreational gambler. So many already know this lament. I should have quit when I was ahead. Some of you may be thinking, hey, I'm just not a quitter. And honestly, competitive juices in your personality can be very hurtful in a casino environment. Yeah, I know the story. From grade school, we're taught not to give up. Fight on. Don't quit. We can win in the second half. We'll come back. You know, I agree. Perseverance is a great American value. However, in gambling, if you're chasing your losses with scared money, then you're in for a heap of trouble. Instead, have a firm loss limit. When you hit that number, then walk away. I know it's tough to do, but that's the only way you'll survive over time at a casino. Hey, wouldn't it be nice to have an alarm bell like that go off? You know, hey, time to walk away. To the coffee shop, to the bar, take a break before you hit that limit. Oh my goodness. And if you do, you're through. By the way, I'm very pleased to refer my listeners to a dozen and a half or plus more, a few more gambling podcasts that I so enjoy. And many of my podcast episodes will critique the gaming podcasts that have proven to be successful. Most of them have a strong Vegas focus. One podcast that is more about gambling in a universal sense is You Can Bet on That. Dr. Mike and Mark Duvall have an allegiance to the game of craps and to poker parties in their homes. But they really do love playing craps. So do I. I have rolled the dice for many, many decades. Although I often disagree with their limited playing and betting styles in craps, I will say that they have what I believe is the most honest gambling podcast available. Please check it out. Their natural and friendly conversation on air about their shared gaming experiences, they're compelling and at times they also share a look into their families and their families' take on the weekly recreational gambling at a casino in the greater San Diego area. Their honesty is so impressive as they openly talk about crap sessions when they have lost. That's unusual. But they have also enjoyed great success as well. Another recent gaming podcast that was a big hit with me this August is Gambling with an Edge. Bob Dancer, the national video poker master, interviewed Terry King, one of the first women to become a regular poker player in Las Vegas in the early 1970s. Long before the game exploded into the many national tournaments that we see today, poker tours were not so common for female players. 
But when Terry started, she was just among a few. In fact, Terry was an 18-year-old when she started to gamble at the Golden Nugget. No, the gaming laws in Las Vegas were not different then. It was just that Terry was so attractive that no one in the place wanted her to be bored, so they never checked her ID. Her story is wonderful, and she was not only a top professional poker player of either gender, she also became a casino dealer and later even a casino floor manager on a swing stiff. Terry's story is so interesting to me, especially because I've often thought about how many people become jaded with casino cultures and walk away from it. Not just reformed gamblers, but also others who at one time enjoyed the gaming culture so much and suddenly they just quit it. In my own life, I was once big on motorcycles through my teenage years and until my children were born. I had five different bikes, including a BSA 650 Hornet and a Harley CH. Then, after my children were born, I shifted to British sports cars. I owned three of them. After that, foreign cars phased out, and my wife and I got into boating big time, buying an older houseboat, then a new 36-foot Gibson houseboat, equipped with a wave runner and a large swim platform. We enjoyed that boat for 13 years, but that ended for us, too. My wife now enjoys her American muscle car Mustang GT, which she adores and drives almost daily. About my jaded line... The famous American author Mark Twain once remarked that before he became a river pilot, the Mississippi River was a source of magic and intrigue. And after he became a river pilot, all the mystery and magic of the river was gone. He said that as a river pilot, he saw the river had a series of sandbars and other water hazards. And for him, knowing the river inside out took away the thrill of it. So now that there's casinos in nearly every state, Will your regular gaming wear and tear lead to general fatigue of steady visits to casinos? Will reluctance for an annual Vegas trip grow stronger or not? Personally, I've never said I'm never gambling again, but I've heard many others say it. Hey, I'm a recreational gambler, and I'm not in it to make a living with gambling wins, and I do not play with scared money. But I do think that for many adults, the hobby of recreational gambling can go that jaded route too. The more that one learns about the casino edge and the study that leads to what is called advantage play in many table games, the less fun it may become and it becomes more like a workday experience. I see how that can happen as a casino business truly is a cold business, tied to daily and weekly takes on the tables and on the slots. There's a ton of pressure on casino managers, and that sometimes filters down to all casino employees. So far, I have escaped that jaded feeling with casino cultures, even after decades of play. Traveling has kept it fresh for me. I never feel addicted to gambling and can enjoy the entertainment, musical groups, and comedians that the casino world provides inside and outside of Las Vegas. I think another reason I've escaped this negative emotion with recreational gambling is that I often try a variety of approaches to table games, especially in craps. This keeps the game interesting to me. I also enjoy the many characters that I meet in casinos. I have seen and experienced some hilarious moments with table mates while playing. So hang in there with me as I travel about the country visiting casinos. I will share the best and the worst of my experiences and tell you what I have learned firsthand. I would not call myself an advantage player. That's not my gig. Believe me, as I have seen so-called advantage players get crushed in craps, blackjack, and other table games. Outside of the poker lounge, very few people make a living from table games. There's still a vestige of blackjack professionals out there, but the multi-deck shuffle machines have ended the general card-counting player advantage, just as the spread of 6-5 to five video poker machines have slowed the success rate that was once possible 
on those increasingly rare 9 to 6 payout machines. So in my coming podcast, I will explore many betting strategies in the game of craps and strategies from other table games also. Strategies that I've encountered and employed in my craps across American journeys. Several of my book interviews with older dealers were centered on how Jimmy the Greek played craps. I think that you will find their comments most interesting. It has been reported that Jimmy the Greek won and lost millions of dollars playing craps. And now I'll move into the final section of episode one of Casinos USA. Okay, I won't rush through it. Be, be patient. In this final chapter, to close the podcast, I want to refer to two casinos in southwestern Pennsylvania that I'm sure nearly every one of you would enjoy. Let's start in downtown Pittsburgh at the Rivers Casino, which rests within easy walking distance to Heinz Field, home of the University of Pittsburgh Panthers football team and the iconic storied Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Pirates baseball team plays just a few blocks away at PNC Park. There is not a hotel attached to this casino, but there are several of the large hotel chains within a mile or so that offer shuttle service to and from the casino. This casino is large. It reminds me of Bally's on the Las Vegas Strip. But for my take, the Rivers is much cleaner. Of course, it's also newer. The Rivers Casino is popular for its buffet and ancillary restaurants. If you ever do go there, the wheelhouse is my favorite. It also has several bars on the main floor, and two of these offer video poker. Craps tables are open 24-7, and there's a special promotion going on this summer. There's always a $5 table available. That's exciting for most craps players. There are many other table games, starting with $10 minimums. I have been very, very impressed with the quality of dealers at the Rivers. They're very professional, entertaining, and they have a true customer service orientation. The Rivers generally pulls in just south or north of $5 million weekly in slots, and their usual payback is just under or over 90%. I do suggest that visitors to the Rivers use their valet parking. The cost is $3 with the player's card, which is free inside. Otherwise, the charge climbs to $5. Anyone who cannot afford to pay $3 to use a valet parking service, in my opinion, should not be going to a casino in the first place. The parking garages of all city casinos in the nation, including in Las Vegas, are not as safe as we would like. Muggings occur much more frequently in parking garages than outside of the property in general. This is especially true if one is gambling late into the night, in casinos everywhere. So use the valet. Be smart. The Rivers has a very attractive interior with glass windows that overlook the Pittsburgh Rivers. It's a fun place to gamble. It's very, very clean with outstanding food choices. It equals or surpasses many of the Las Vegas strip casinos and many, many more that are on Fremont Street. I do want to explain that Pennsylvania liquor laws make it illegal for bars to stay open after 2 a.m., whether they're in a casino or not. They must close at that time and cannot open until 7 a.m. However, the casino lobby in Pennsylvania is powerful, and this past June, Pennsylvania did change the laws for casinos. However, the cost of keeping a casino bar open after 2 a.m. is a $1 million license fee for the 2016-2017 years. To my knowledge, none of the casinos in our state has purchased this license. The casino lobby is trying to negotiate the price down to $250,000 annually. Other than New Year's Eve, it doesn't seem like a big problem to me. 
But with the power of the casino lobby, the Pennsylvania casinos will probably prevail in this negotiation and the annual fees will be lowered. The second Pennsylvania casino that I'd like you to consider is on Nemecolon Resorts. It's in Farmington, Pennsylvania. Please go online and check out this website. Nemecolon is a five-star resort and it's 2,000 acres. That bears repeating. A 2,000 acre five-star resort that has a small and intimate casino on its property called Lady Luck. The swimming pool choices at Nemecolon Resort do equal many of the Vegas swimming areas. This simply amazing resort, which is located about 90 minutes from downtown Pittsburgh, offers 24-7 shuttle service from a variety of lodgings on its property, including two fantastic hotels. In fact, these shuttles are available to take you to all the important venues on the 2,000-acre property. Through its championship golf courses to the many family adventures on site, you'll want to check this out. I know that you'll be so pleased by all the choices of activities and quality dining on site. This resort often attracts many Hollywood stars and other national celebrities. This is not to say that I would never go back to Vegas. I have a daughter and grandson who live in Las Vegas. My own son was buried in Las Vegas. The reception was at Mandalay Bay and was very well managed by the hotel. I have stayed on the Las Vegas Strip upwards of 60 nights, including stays at the Encore, Treasure Island, Monte Carlo, Valleys, the Rio, Mandalay Bay, and the Stratosphere, the Tropicana, and in the late 80s, I was a regular at the Stardust and the New Frontier. I have also stayed at the Cosmopolitan in one of their terrace suites. My wife and I spent Christmas week last year at the Encore. So personally, I'm not talking about excluding return trips to Las Vegas. What I am saying to all my listeners, that I have found many places to gamble and enjoy that equal or sometimes even surpass the Vegas experience. In my next September podcast, episode two, I will be reviewing the Blue Chip Casino in Michigan City, Indiana. The Blue Chip is a Boyd Casino with hotel room views of Lake Michigan across the street. And it's across the street from an immaculate sandy beach in an Indiana State Park right on Lake Michigan. Beautiful marinas abound. Michigan City, Indiana with the Blue Chip Casino and Hotel is also a perfect venue to visit and stay when visiting the University of Notre Dame. In fact, visiting college football teams stay at the Blue Chip when they are coming into the Midwest to play Notre Dame, which is my alma mater. Later this fall, I'll spend five days at Maryland Live at Anne Arundel Mall and also spend a full weekend in Charlestown, West Virginia at the Hollywood Casino and Racetrack there. Casinos USA, my podcast, is on the move. Finally, if you have comments or insights that you want to share, email me at coachfav, at C-O-A-C-H-F-A-V, C-O-A-C-H-F-A-V, written as one word, at comcast.net. Until next time, every day is Saturday at a casino near you. Thank you.